beginning with verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. And this is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and with joy receiveth it. And yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. And verse 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word out, and he becomes unfruitful. And then the summation of that is verse 23, But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, understands it, which also beareth fruit, beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for your inspired word. We thank you, Lord, that you delve deep into all the aspects of the things that we believe in. And if we want to get into the Word and seek the truths of the Word, we can find out a lot more than we know. And Lord, I pray tonight that your Spirit would help me. I pray your Spirit would rest upon every person in this building. <coughs> and I ask that you guide us in our study. And may we honor you and glorify you and seek to uplift your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> We're looking at something. We're <clears throat> looking tonight at one of the most important things, I think, in the Scripture. Sometimes we know about things, but we don't know much about it. We know what we've heard, and we know what we think sometimes, but we get into some things, and, and they're not easy necessarily. They come across hard. But when it comes to the Christian life, we're getting into how it works. How does it work? Why does it work for some and don't work for others? Why is it some are so involved, and then all of a sudden they're not involved at all? And they're not a part of anything. And you go see them and you can't get them back and all of those things. Well, Jesus tells the truth in a parable form or in a story form. The story represents a farmer in those days who's seeking to sow, we're going to say, some wheat. It doesn't say. And as he sows the wheat, some seed, when it's broadcasted, now, if you've sowed a yard or if you've been a farmer, I'm not a farmer, but if you've sowed any broadcasting is just taking the seed and throwing it like this, kind of up in the air, and, and the air separates the seed, and then the seed hopefully falls and covers up the area. 
So as this guy is broadcasting, the seed, some of the seed gets over into areas where it can't grow and it can't mature. It gets over into parts that it wasn't really, uh, in a sense, intended for. But all the seed that gets on this plowed ground, he's got a place here. Let's say he's got two acres or something, and he's got that marked off, and he has plowed it. You've got to remember it's in this day when plows and things like that weren't very good, but he's plowed it, he's worked it, he's got in there, prepared it, and it's prepared now for the seed. The ground is prepared for the seed. And the object of sowing the seed is to produce grain for bread or whatever else it might come. Now, the idea here is this. To grow a garden, we'll say, because most of us have done that, to grow a garden and not get anything out of your garden is useless. You can have the nicest vines. You can have the prettiest looking garden. And you say, we're going to get a lot out of our garden this year. And when the time comes, you get nothing. Anybody ever do that? Just the rarest of things. You see, it doesn't do any good for the farmer to throw his seed down and and it not have a place where it can grow. And the object of that is, is so that you might have this maturity to come. And the point is, it, if it never reaches maturity, it is of no value. If it never reaches, now listen, I'm, I'm preaching far in a, you may disagree with that. You may disagree with a lot. But what good is a Christian who never matures? Tell me what good is. What good is he to God if he never matures? What is he, what is God getting out of his salvation? God took his son, sent his son to die for his sins, not only so he could just save him from his sins, but so that he could save him from this evil, sinful world. But he doesn't get that. What is that? What good is he? You see, we are satisfied, but we sing a song, but is Jesus satisfied with me? You see, Jesus takes this story and applies it to the Christian. He says the seed represents the word of God or the gospel or the good news of his coming. The soul that he's talking about represents the heart of man. And God is not just seeking to get man to make some kind of decision. We get to that place sometimes where we think if we can just get somebody to make a decision and if we can just get them to see what we believe and make that. God does not want people to make decisions just to be making decisions. He wants every decision that you and I make to be made from our hearts. What do you think? God's not in petty things. He don't like petty things. It's to come from our heart. It's to come from that innermost part. You see, 
the heart, people describe it differently, but the idea of the heart is that is the most honest, sincere part of you is your heart. That is the most honest, sincere part. When you get to that one thing, we say to our wives, we say to our children, we love you with all of our heart. That means we love you from the depth of our being. We're not playing games about it. We're not trying to say something we don't mean. We're, we're dealing with God, my friend. We have to understand something. You can't play games with God. God knows your heart. You say nobody else can see it, but God can see it. And you see, that's the very part of you that means so much for him. When we're dealing with God, we have to be very careful. The Bible says God looks upon the heart. He knows our heart. It goes so far as to say he knows our thoughts and our, uh, all our imaginations. So you can't hide anything from God. I can't hide anything from God. I can walk along in life and say everything's going good when I know in my heart everything ain't going good. But I accept that because we think that we can think that way and it doesn't really matter. And so... You see, it's important, the heart. Here goes the sower. He's got this little piece of ground. He's laid it off, and he's worked it up. Oh, looks good. The smell of the dirt, and oh, it's ready to take everything in. It's prepared in such a way that a seed, it gets close to it, it jumps on it. That's the way it is. It, it just is there for the seed is received by that dirt, by that soil. But to cover his ground completely, he has to broadcast his seed around the edges. When he gets over to the edges, he has to broadcast his seed knowing that he's going to send a lot of seed out that is not going to get any, it's not going to work. It's not going to be there, but he's got to cover all the edges, and so he's going around and making sure that they're covered. And that means a lot of the seed falls on ground that's not going to ever come up. It's not going to, anything's going to happen to it. It just is not going to happen. It's unprepared. Jesus lists three types of unprepared ground. Now, in the spiritual sense, he's talking about three types of unprepared hearts. People come to church. They're not all in the same place. They're not all thinking the same way. They're not all close enough to be saved. They're not. Some are a million miles away. Some are not so far away. Some have, are different places in their life. He speaks about three types of hearts that are not ready, not ready, not ready to receive the gospel. That doesn't mean God can't make them ready, but at that point, they're not ready. And just as the unprepared soul can't take in the seed, neither can the unprepared heart take in the seed. Now, the first ground he mentions is, or the first heart is a hard ground or a hard path. It's impossible for a hard-hearted person 
to be saved in that condition. It's impossible. If a person is hard-hearted, he cannot be saved. It is impossible. Take my word for it. It cannot be done. He cannot. God does not save hard-hearted people. He saves people who are hard-hearted, and, but he don't allow them to be hard-hearted after he saves them. But you see, he doesn't deal with that. And that's the way this hard ground is like a path. It's impossible for that person to take anything in. They come in and they're against the word and they go out and they're against the word when they go out. Before the seed can reach its intended purpose, it has to get into the heart. Everybody agree? He says a hard heart is kind of like a well-worn, trampled path. A path where people walk on it all the time can get as hard as concrete. They was that way in those days. And it's that way today. You look at cattle. I don't know anything about that. But I do know from driving down the road, cattle follow a path. They'll follow a path from the barn out to the field, and then when they come back, they get on the path and come right back, and that's the hardest part of the whole field. That's the hardest part. You couldn't do anything with that. And if you sow seed on it, it'll lay there. It will not move. It'll exactly lay right there, and it'll be there a month later if the birds don't come and pluck it up. Because it can't get into the heart. It can't get in. It'll be right there. So a hard-hearted person can qualify in Christianity. He can't qualify. It's impossible. To sow seed on a hard ground is a useless effort unless the Holy Spirit is at work. Amen. In verse 19 says they talking about these people. They hear, but they don't understand. The seed was sown on the heart or intended for the heart, but it couldn't get in the heart. It was too hard. And it's easy for the devil to come along, snatch it away. In verse 20, he speaks about another type of heart a rocky ground here. Here he, he says there is some soil. It, it's, you've got soil involved, but there's too many rocks to cultivate. That's why the guy left that part of it and didn't plow it up because there's too many rocks in it and he couldn't cultivate it. And you've, if many of you have been around farms and been around places and there's places on your farm that you put your tobacco, you put your garden, you put everything in because things will grow there. And there's places you don't plow because nothing will grow. And it's got too many rocks and it's got too much of trouble and it'll break your plows and it'll do all kinds of things. So you don't even, even go in that direction. The ground is basically unusable probably right next to where his place is. And it's unusable for growing any crops. And whatever you sow here will come up. It will come up to some degree. 
and it'll show signs of life. And even in the spring where you sow it, it may look like you're really going to have a pretty good little harvest because all these green little buds start coming up and, and all of this starts coming up and they're just thick as a, as a dog's back, you know, as hair on a dog's back. And you think, oh, we may have a good one here. We may have a good one. And, and maybe get some crop this year. But verse 20 says, the seed was received but it was received in a shallow way. It didn't get into the heart. It was received, we'll say, and it stopped right with our thinking. It's basically impossible to get anything that will mature there. The seed was sown in a shallow way and the word was heard. That ought to be worth something. A lost person comes, they hear the word, that's got to be worth something, it is worth something. Uh, and uh, the Bible says here it's received with joy. Uh, some people call this an emotional heart. It's moved by emotion uh, and it's emotionally stirred. But because the heart or the rocky ground heart has no depth, it has no depth. When it, whatever it produces, is weak and spindly. Anybody ever have that problem? You can grow tomato plants sometimes and get some nice ones, or you can grow a bunch of little spindly ones that can't hardly stand up on their own. Everybody agree? You see, it produces something inadequate. It produces something that won't work. And according to this passage, it in verse 21, in the middle of there, it will endure but a very short while. It won't last long. And when this, it comes up, but when hard times come, and they always do, this once promising looking faith, it looked like it was going to mount to something didn't amount to anything at all. It just died out. The sun came bawling, uh, come down on it, and it wilted. It fell over. It rotted. It looked good for a while. But it can't make it because it's not rooted in the heart. Everybody agree? It's not rooted in the heart. Would you like for your wife to not to live. I want to tell you Jesus is the same way. When you say to him, I love you, he means for you to really love him. Don't play games with me, God would say to us. You see, the roots, and I've seen them several times in things we've put in the garden. And it just looked like things wasn't going very good. And we'd go in there and dig around in the hill. And, and we'd come up and there were little roots on it, but it just couldn't make it. Just couldn't make it. Just didn't have anything. Because it wasn't connected to that part where it can grow and that heart where it can operate. This person not only cannot stand 
4,400% of the time. Because if you're saved, you may get away from God, but God don't get away from you, and you're going to be mighty uncomfortable. You're going to feel guilty about where you are and how you're doing. You'll be guilty about all of that. In this thorny ground heart, some of the seed that was meant for the plowed ground got over into a briar patch. Probably some good blackberries there, but not much soil for anything to grow. You wouldn't go out and naturally sow over in there because you know immediately it's not going to work. People receive the word. A lot of times they take it in to a certain degree. They take it in. I've pastored long enough and been around long enough that we have all of these things where, you know, we go through these things and then we, we wrestle all the, depth of the days of our life. Am I really saved? Am I truly a child of God? I don't know if I am. Listen, I can tell you one way to resolve that. That is to love the Lord God with all your heart. And anytime we don't love him with our hearts, we're going to wrestle with everything in there because the flesh is telling us more to do than what our hearts is telling us. Everything sounds good when people come. If they come to church, most often they're coming wanting something. And after all, it's, it's good news. Acceptance with God, forgiveness of sin, going to heaven when you die, that's all good stuff. Who wouldn't be interested in that? But how interested are you? I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to people. How interested Why is it some make it? Because the word of God has lodged within the deepest part of them. It has cut them to the heart. It has gotten into their honesty. It's gotten into their, gotten into their sincerity. It's gotten into that part of them where they hate not being what God called them to be and trying to be something in the eyes of people that we never are. It has to get to the heart because it's only in the heart that it can grow and mature and amount to what it ought to be. The will of God and the will of man can only come together in the heart. They can come together no other place. They're in opposing forces. Now let's look at the text. The person who receives, this is the summation, the person who receives God's word into his heart. This idea of receiving in this case is that the ground has been worked up, the ground has been opened up so that when the guy comes by sowing the seed, it gets down into the ground. It has to get there. So much of church and I say this, and I, I'm not talking about anybody else. I don't know anybody else. I don't even know my wife when it comes to things like that. I don't even know myself sometimes. 
But I say to you, listen, we've got to be heart people. That's the only way it works. It can't work anyway. The, when God's word is sowed, even like it is being in church, and we have a heart that's open, that is receptive, then the seed gets down into the heart, and God does this transforming and makes it something special. This is the person who hears the word of God, and instead of being turned off about it, and knowing there's something that rejects it, I remember, I don't know how it was with you, but when I got saved, I remember running out of the church. I'd heard all I wanted to hear, and I wanted out. And I was probably, I don't know how old I was, but I wasn't over 13 years old or something like that, but I knew I was getting in something over my head, and I wanted out. And I came back the next week, and that old rascal from Tennessee, I mean from Texas, them old Texas preachers, where is Pete? He was preaching again. And I was sitting in the balcony just like that. And when it gets in your heart, you can't do much. When it gets in your heart to follow God, you can't. If you're trying to get people to follow God and it's not in their heart, you ain't going to get that done. If you're trying to teach people things they don't want to learn, you're not going to get that done. God don't force feed people. You see, the heart has a receptiveness when it's worked up. And it takes it in. Look at verse 15, chapter 13, verse 15. This is the heart of the lost person. He goes back and quotes the Old Testament. And in verse 14, it says, The heart of the lost is wax grows, ears are dull of hearing, eyes are closed, they don't want to see, they reject whatever's being said, they don't turn that off, they don't want to hear no more about that, I don't want to get into that kind of thing. Why do they reject it? And he goes on to say, because they don't want to be converted. They know if they hear it and allow that to get into their heart, they'll do something they don't really want to do in their mind. Now we get saved and we have a, it gets bigger every time you tell it. We start out down in one thing and we don't want people to know exactly how we felt because the Bible says you ought to feel like that so that's the way I felt but a lot of times that ain't the way you feel. You never get anywhere if your eyes are closed. You never get anywhere if you don't listen. You never get anywhere if you don't want what God has to give you. I don't want to get that involved. I, I saw... I watched a football game. Uh, I think it was Clemson playing some, I forgot who it was, but they beat him. And the coach of Clemson, they were interviewing him. And he was so excited. And he said, oh, I want to give all the glory to God. I, I want to give everything to God. And the next thing I knew, he was cussing. Mm-hmm. I understand. What he thought 
was if I don't say something good about God, he may cause me to lose the next game. That's just absolutely foolish. In verse 23, they hear, they understand they don't understand everything. I didn't understand. I knew simple things. I knew I was lost. I remember that. I remember knowing that I needed the Lord that that preacher was talking about, and I needed him right then, even though I didn't really in my mind want to do that at that point. But a week later, after the Lord kind of worked on my old heart. Things were a little bit different. And that's the way it works. God doesn't want you to believe something you can't hear, can't understand, know nothing about. He gives us all the knowledge we need to understand. You don't know everything and never will. But here's what happens. We hear, we understand enough to be saved. We receive it in the sense that we take our hand and somebody wants to give us a gift and you, they're holding it out there and you reach out your hand and say, I'll take it. I'll take it. I want it. I got to have it. I take it. I take it. And when that takes place, the very thing that couldn't happen in the first three hearts happened in the fourth heart. They couldn't, the first three hearts couldn't do anything. It was all just a farce. But in the fourth heart, they produced fruit. Now I'm going to tell you something, friend. You may disagree with this, and it's all right. A Christian is born again to produce fruit. Don't let anybody tell you you can live a fruitless life and die and go to heaven. You are not going to do that. God did not save people to be fruitless. He may have to cause you to have a heart attack, but somewhere along the line, you're going to have to get fruit fruitful. You may not have but one apple hanging on your tree, but you better have one. The seed accomplished its purpose. The work of the Spirit is not just to save a soul so he can live any way he wants to. It's to save a soul that produces fruit for God. If you're nothing else, you be a fruitful mother. And if you're nothing else, be a fruitful dad. And if you're nothing else, be a fruitful whatever you do in life. Whatever you be a fruitful neighbor and whatever else comes along, you've got to be fruitful in your life. You cannot live like everybody else. You've got to understand that God saved you for the purpose of being glorified by how you live and what you do and what you say and all of these things. He is never satisfied when we just ignore him or play games with him. He says, lastly, everybody's going to produce some fruit. Everybody is. Some are going to produce a hundredfold. Some will produce 60. 
Some will produce 30. We're not all going to produce the same amount of fruit. Not many of us are going to produce the fruit of Billy Graham. Not many of us are going to produce the fruit of many old women who sit at home and don't have, and nobody knows her in the world, but they pray every day and they pray every day for the church and the people and all of that. And we may not produce that much, but you will produce some. If you have a child that's lost and you are not concerned whether they're lost or not, I will tell you that is a bad sign. That's a bad sign. All of us are going to produce fruit. We're not all going to produce the same amount, but we're all going to have to produce fruit. This idea, and we have this in our world today, is that a Christian can be an utter, complete disaster to where he's even worse than he was before he ever got saved, but everything is all right. That is ridiculous. God saves people so that he can make their lives better than it ever has been in all the history of time, and they'll produce fruit, and they'll live for him, and they'll get less important, and he'll get more important all of his life. Don't let nobody tell you that you don't give up on somebody. You may have a child and you don't know where he knows the Lord or where you don't, but your idea is not good. But don't go back to when he was 12 and say, well, he made a profession of faith when he's 12, so he must be all right. That ain't necessarily so. That's not necessarily so. A real thing keeps on. God who begins a good work in you continues that good work and will continue it till the day you die. And if he don't continue it, brother, you better be looking for something better because that ain't going to 